an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni. On VSIN, the sports betting network. Well, the game of the week, perhaps the year, lived up to the hype last night. We'll break down all things Eagles, Chiefs, as well as the big news this morning. Matt Canada out in Pittsburgh. Do the Steelers have the personnel to remain in the playoff hunt? Plus, Michael says the Jets need a new flight plan. Zach Wilson, now QB3 in New York. What is next for the Jets? So, Michael, needless to say, pretty boring day. We don't have a whole lot to talk about today. It's weird. Um, uh well, I mean, Thanksgiving didn't interrupt anything, did it? I thought it was going to go like everything was going to be on hold, but I guess not. And last night didn't disappoint either. I mean, it was a fun game, and I think we saw each team has issues. But this Eagle team, for you can say they don't play, they they don't, they don't look good. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. They just all they do is win. All they do is win. And at the end of the day, you know, this is the second week in a row, Stormy that the Kansas City Chiefs have not scored in the second half. Third. They only have 19. Third? Yeah, third week in a row that they have been no points up in the second half. Third. I thought it was just two. Wow. Okay, then. And now, add one more. They've only scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. So, like, you know, this high-flying, you know, they've averaged 21 points over the last six weeks. Like, this offense, for believing – when they left London, left Germany, that they were going to get it fixed, it quite didn't happen last night. Now, it I thought the weather was affecting both quarterbacks, didn't you? Yeah, which, I mean, naturally, you anticipate when there's wind and rain that it's going to have an effect on the pass game. But I, uh, Jalen Hurts, though, has the ability with his legs to do different things, and his guys were still able to catch the football. That's what I think everything keeps coming down to in this game as you look back, Michael, is just the way that the Kansas City Chiefs dropped the ball literally and figuratively last night. None of their receivers could hang on to anything. Five drops, including three on that final drive. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and the Kelsey fumble in the red zone. They've yeah. had, they had two red zone turnovers. So if you add the two red zone turnovers plus the scaling drop, which could have been a touchdown or a field goal, you know, and you're looking at now you're at 30 points, right? You're going to get to 30, but 
they haven't executed to get to 30. I mean, it's pretty clear. So what's the story you think about these second halves with Kansas City, Michael? Because like I said, it's been three straight games. Kansas City has not scored a second half point since October 22nd against the Chargers. They're averaging just 5.3 points per game in the second half, which is the worst mark of any team in the National Football League. The worst team since the 2013 Bucks, who went 4-12 and in that season by the time that the year was finished. So this is a Chiefs team that we're used to seeing Patrick Mahomes be able to put the team on his back and get the ball out in crunch time and win games late when you need them, has not been able to do that this year. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is comes down to there's the lack of making big plays, right? I mean, Scanling has the big drop, which is oh, critical. Gosh, but they can't so make bad. a big play. I mean, the longest, the longest pass play yesterday was 17 yards. You know, people are taking away Kelsey. They know that's where he wants to go to the ball. They tried to get Tony involved, really making him more running back than receiver. I don't think they trust him to be a true receiver, and I don't think Mahomes trusts The only receiver, to me, it, it, that Mahomes really trusts is Kelsey. And, you know, and then the protection in the offensive line. I think the offensive line has kind of hidden it itself a little bit as being the weak link because, you know, Mahomes doesn't take sacks, but they're not as dominant as they used to be and or play as well. I mean, this is a very beatable team. If they weren't playing as well defensively, you know, I mean, there's teams in the AFC. I mean, Miami and them are very similar. Very similar. Miami's really good on defense. Miami's offense isn't quite where it was earlier in the season. They've got issues playing in weather. There's been, If Miami played on that field last night, it would not have been good for their offense. But yet their defense can carry them. Kansas City's defense is carrying them. Yeah, and they have the good fortune, too. If you look at their schedule, just one of their remaining teams is an over 500 squad. So, yes, they're a beatable team, but they also have very beatable teams on their schedule ahead, which is good for them. And you mentioned the Marquez Valdez-Scantling drop, second and 10, 145 to go. He has easily three feet of separation, the ball right in his hands, us as fans, just disgusted watching him not be able to reel in the football. But here's what Patrick Mahomes had to say about it after the game. Yeah, I mean, I have no regret. I mean, they triple team Travis, so I went to the guy that was that one downfield, and Marquez won. Um, he just didn't didn't come away with the ball. I mean, I could probably throw a little bit shorter. He was that open. So, uh, yeah, you just got to continue to to try to get better and better. Um, defense is keeping us in games, and if we can find a way to just get a little bit better as an offense, we're going to win a lot of these games. And he also said offensively, obviously they're not where they think they should be at this point in the season. He said, that's with everybody. It starts with me. And I think it says a lot about Patrick Mahomes that he's not throwing his receivers yeah. or anybody else under the bus. Especially since considering going in the game, they were leading the league in drop passes. And I think they had three more last night. They were 24. Maybe they were 26 or 27. But here's what we do know about this Kansas City Chiefs this year. They're 2-8 and eight in the fourth quarter versus the spread. Over the last two years, they're 16 and 33 against the spread in the last two seasons in the fourth quarter. Actually, make it two and nine in the fourth quarter and 16 and 34 against the spread. And when you don't make explosive plays, when the biggest play of the game is a run by Pacheco, I mean, for Andy Reid to call 30 runs against a defense that was really good in run and you could throw the football on them. That was a huge shift, a huge shift in his, in his philosophy. But I don't think they trust anybody. I think Watson is the second most trustworthy receiver on their team. I don't, you know, Hardiman, even when he was there before, wasn't like he was a featured player, right? I mean, nobody, no, Hardiman had great speed. Sky Moore, we can't find him, right? Tony, they gave up a bunch of picks for him. 
He averaged again last night six yards a catch, which is what he's been averaging all season. I mean, they don't put the fear. The guy that makes everything go is Mahomes. And if you take away Kelsey, where are they going with the ball? They're a little bit like the Chargers in the sense where Herbert's going to throw the ball to, to, to Keenan Allen. But where is he going with it once he throws it there? Well, and, and Kelsey's the most trustworthy, and even he in this game has the drop and the fumble. So it's it's an uphill battle for that group. With that said, Michael, do you think that they turn it around? Do you think that over the course of these next seven games to close out the regular season that they start to figure things out offensively? Because at this point in the year, you would think that they already had. Well, no, uh, here's the thing. I mean, so when you say turn it around, so they've got Las Vegas and Green Bay on the road. Okay. Will they need the fourth quarter to win that? I doubt that, right? Now, you know, they couldn't do it against Denver either, right? So we know they've lost two of the last three games. Then they go Buffalo. They're going to need to win the fourth quarter against Buffalo. They got New England, Las Vegas, Cincinnati, and Los Angeles. I mean, what game on that schedule are they worried about? They play Buffalo at home. But the concerning thing for you got to be, right, Stormy, is the fact they've lost two home games already. I mean, we all talk about Harrowhead as if it's, Hard to win there. Detroit didn't find it hard to win there. Detroit held them to 20 points in the opener. And yesterday, Philadelphia walked in there and held them to 17 points. It is what it is. I mean, they're going to have to – I don't know how they raise their level of play or their execution. The weather makes it harder to catch the football, too. Now, Michael, so much of today obviously is going to be centered around the Chiefs and them losing and all of the bad from that standpoint. But what encouraged you as you were watching the Philadelphia Eagles come through and rally from a double-digit deficit in the second half and shut out the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half? Well, I mean, I think, look, when you look at Philadelphia, you have to. it starts with you can attack them defensively, but they find a way to win games. I mean, Philadelphia in the, last fourth, in the fourth quarter of the game, they win the game. Right, they had 18 plays. They had, you know, they had five first downs. They had seven points. They only punted twice. They had, you know, they had. Excuse me. They had 30 plays, nine first downs, and and they were able to make plays. I mean, they won the game in the fourth quarter. They kept themselves in it, and they were able to come back and find their groove a little bit. Look, I don't think I don't think Hertz is playing anywhere near where he played last year. He doesn't look as quick or as explosive getting away. Five sacks in the first half. But with all that being said, all they do is win. And does it matter? I mean, Swift's been a great addition, but all they do is win games. And Hurts, you know, good that he was able to heal up that knee a little bit during the bye. But still, obviously, at this point in the season, everybody's banged up and that clearly affects your quarterback. But I was just really impressed with exactly what you said. The fact that this Eagles team, it hasn't looked pretty week in and week out and they still end up having the best record in the NFL right now, 9-1. and one. They find ways when no other team seems to find ways, and that's what's going to benefit you when you get to the postseason. And um, now just the third Super Bowl loser that wins a regular season rematch the following season. Andy Reid's first loss to his former team was 4-0 prior to last night. And, and also, Michael, we talk about um, this Eagles defense as not being as good as it was last year, right, which is true, but now they've held the best offense in the NFL over Overall, in the Miami Dolphins to just 17 points and largely who we consider the best quarterback in the NFL and Patrick Mahomes to 17 last night. And, and, and they struggle with Sam and they struggle with Sam. Howell. And they, and they, and they lose to, to Zach me. Wilson and they lose to Zach Wilson. Help <laughs> us go out. explain it to me. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, how does this all as any of this make sense? Right. I mean, Dak Prescott's first and first and five at the six. And, and he, next thing you know, he's backwards. 
Look, the, the one thing about losing, it becomes a habit. Winning also becomes a habit. And Philadelphia knows how to win close games. I mean, two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row, they've four weeks in a row they've won close. And the Jet game is when the one they lost. So, look, they're going to have to get better, too, because the, the, the way Kansas City dominated that game up front, it tells you that Philly's going to have to do a little bit more in the passing game. They took A.J. Brown out of the game. While Smith made some great plays, but – but over time, when you look at the breakdown of the possession chart, this was unlike a typical Philadelphia game. They, they did not move. They had too many threes and outs in there and too many punts that we're not used to seeing from a Philadelphia offense. I know you can't look too far ahead, especially with what the Bills just did to the Jets last week. But in two weeks, the Eagles taken on the San Francisco 49ers, a rematch of that NFC championship game where hopefully we get both of these teams at the full strength they deserve and both quarterbacks going head to head. That is one I am insanely excited about coming up in week 13. Okay, we've got to take a quick break. And while this has not been the happiest of Thanksgiving weeks for Matt Canada, Fans in Pittsburgh might think Christmas came early with what transpired this morning. We will discuss. I, uh, that was cold, wasn't it? We will discuss the Steelers of it all and a whole lot more when we come I mean, back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my That's my
Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine and More. Please drink responsibly. Must be 21. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Lombardi Line alongside Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bon and Tony with you. And Steelers fans, Michael, have been clamoring for this for a while, it feels like, and they finally got what they want. Matt Canada is out in Pittsburgh following their 13-10 to loss to the Browns this past Sunday. Head coach Mike Tomlin saying in a statement this morning, Matt Canada has been relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator. I appreciate Appreciate Matt's hard work and dedication and wish him the best moving forward in his career. What was your instant reaction when you got the alert on your phone this morning? Well, I, I think this. There's certain times where you can't continually lie to the team, right? We saw this, and I wrote about it today for VEASAN. I mean, Robert Sala's up there, you know, trying to, to defend Zach Wilson, and every day he tries to do it, he loses credibility. And I think Mike Tomlin in the same thing. Mike Tomlin did everything in his power to help Matt Canada. He could have easily gave into it last year and fired him. He tried. You know, just some guys are not equipped for becoming an offensive coordinator. It was a surprising hire when they did it. You know, Matt Canada was up for the UNLV job uh, before before Barry. This was the the time before Barry. Uh, uh, what? Oh, I forgot Barry. Barry um, Barry Odom, excuse me, Barry Odom got the UNLV job. He was up for the job before, almost got hired, but he didn't. And then he took the Pittsburgh offensive coordinator job, which really didn't have a lot of pro experience. Remember, he also got fired at LSU when he went from Boston College down to LSU. That didn't last very long either. So, you know, it's a giant step. I think the Steelers do a really good job of trying to help the coach. You know, they don't leave you out on an island. They have never fired a coach in season before. Since 1941, you have to go back to, you know, the, 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 the good old days. I think it was Burt, Burt Bell that they fired, and he was part owner of the team. He fired himself. So this is, histo- this is historic, right? But it had to be done. They're 28th in point score, 28th in yards, 31st in passing yards, 27th in yards per attempt, 13th in rushing. They haven't had more than 22 first downs in a game all year, and they only did that once. They're 30th in the National Football League in first downs. They're 29th in scoring. They're 25th in EPA. I mean, every game, no matter who they play, they're, they're going to not score. They, don't, they can't score. So when they play a good offense – that their defense struggles to stop, they're going to lose. We saw that with Jacksonville. When they play a bad offense, they're going to be in the game until the last quarter. We saw that with Cleveland. But there's no way you can survive this way. They're going to go down to – they're going down to Cincinnati. And, you know, who's the better quarterback, Browning or Pickett? Who's got a better offense, the Bengals or the Steelers? I mean – that that's a one-point game. The Steelers may end up being favored. It may flip to Cincinnati – I'm not sure that the that the that if healthy, if they have Higgins and they have all their guys, you may not want to take you may not want to take the Bengals in that game because Pickett doesn't offer any advantage. Yeah, I mean four straight sub 200 yard passing games and one passing touchdown in that time. He hasn't done a whole lot for you, that's for sure. And with this move in general, Michael, I totally agree. I feel like it's a move that you have to do if you want to save the locker room. The stat that has been making the rounds every single week this season is that the Steelers continue to be outgained game after game after game. Yet, yes, they are 6-4 and four at this point, but 
what you said about them making a coaching change, something historically they haven't done. Like we all know that this is a franchise that's the definition of stability. They have had three head coaches in general since 1969, Chuck Noll, Bill Cower, and now Tomlin. They don't fire anybody mid-season. You mentioned it was just their own owner who fired himself back in the 40s, which is just absurd to hear. So that shows how much they felt this change was necessary and to do it Thanksgiving week, no less as well, just re-emphasizing the importance of that all the while, Michael, this is still a six and four over 500 football team. And how often do you see teams make coaching changes when they're in that situation? Well, I think it speaks to that, right? I mean, they know they're in perfect position. They know that Cincinnati lost their quarterback. They know Cleveland who they just lost to lost their quarterback. This is the perfect time. And the AFC is kind of up for grabs. I mean, Baltimore, they've beaten once, right? How, I don't know, 17 to 10, but they did. You know, I mean, we'll go back and do an autopsy on that. I mean, they're in the thick of this thing. And if they can get, and they have talent on offense, that's the scary part, right? You know, you want to throw the ball to Johnson. You want to throw the ball to Pickens. Like, it shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this hard. But, you know, the players, when you don't have success and you've had enough rope, to go through it like Matt has. And I like Matt. Matt's a really good guy. It's just sometimes guys are not meant to be coordinators. I don't think anybody has anybody. This is not anybody's fault but the coach. And I think Mike had to make the decision, you know, and I'm sure Steeler fans wish he would have done it earlier. But it's, you know, these offensive coordinator jobs. I was talking to a former player yesterday in the league, and and we were talking about how there's so many inexperienced play callers. And it affects the game, you know, and, and nobody really has a system that they bring with it. It used to be, and I hate to sound like remember when, it's the lowest <laughs> form of conversation, but you used to have to take a long time before you get a coordinator job. Now, you know, they're hiring everybody young, but that doesn't mean they're experienced. It's the different to, from playing Madden to calling games. Yeah, it's every- completely, I, I'm going to shocks you, I know. <laughs> now, see, in Washington, they're playing Madden. They're just calling pass plays. With no regard at all for how to how to help the team win, none. They're loading up the stat sheet, and that's great for Eric Bieniemy. Maybe he'll get a head coaching job out of it. I hope he does. But the reality of it is, they're not even trying to play complementary football. It's what Mike. It is truly what Mike McCarthy's done in, in in Dallas. You may not like the offense down there. You may think Mike McCarthy's not a good coach. You may think he bundles things. He 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 makes huge blunders on game decisions. Some of it all is true. But in terms of managing the game and setting the offense up, they're playing way less defense, 27 minutes. They're converting third downs at a high rate, and they're controlling the pace of the game. They've had over 90 more plays than their defense. With the thing about limited experience, I feel like everybody wants and thinks they're going to get a Sean McVay, but not everybody is Sean McVay at the end of the day. Like, he is the he's the unicorn. He's the exception to the rule, not the rule. Um, and I, I do wonder in this initial game coming up this weekend against the Bengals if maybe the Steelers do get yeah, that, a little bit that, of a pop, right? Like, we saw that happen with the Buffalo Bills after Ken Dorsey was fired. They go up on and put up 36 on the Jets. We saw the Raiders win back-to-back games um, and took a Super Bowl contender in Miami to task after firing their coaches. So maybe there's their that reality check element a little bit that can help teams and you mentioned the article that you have up at vcin.com today about the jets um we spoke a little bit yesterday about the report zach wilson's benching but then yesterday became official when robert sala talked to reporters that not only is he benched but tim boyle is going to start this weekend trevor simeon is going to be the backup and zach wilson is third string now down the line I mean, look, when he just got demoted to third string, I mean, like, seriously, like his career is officially over. But, 
you know, for me, watching Zach Wilson, I think, you, you know, you can make the case, and people have, that he's got a great arm, and he does. And he can throw the ball really well all over the field, and he's got athleticism, and you could see that. I think what he can't do, Stormy, is he just can't do it all the time. I don't think he loves football. I don't think it's passionate for him. I don't think he puts the time in. I don't think he wants to be a great player. I think he's been burdened with skill. I think he has been burdened with talent. And I think five years from now, we're all going to watch a documentary on him about how happy he is living on some ranch in Utah, you know, because he doesn't really want to play because he, he has enough skill to play. There's something missing here. It isn't like he's a blown pick, like, they, like he can't throw the ball. But he just doesn't, to me, I never get the sense that he's fully engaged. And when I watch him, that message tends to permeate through the team. Now, Sala went from saying he's really improving to benching him the third string. My question, what I tried to write about today is, I know everybody thinks this coaching staff of the Jets is safe because Rodgers is coming back next year. But are they? Todd Bowles won 37% of this game. Salah's won 34 You look at his record in the AFC East. It's bad, I know. But I feel like he has to be, especially because Nathaniel Hackett's his offensive coordinator. And, like, that's part of the draw for Aaron Rodgers in general, right? I feel like they get a mulligan on this season, no matter how bad it gets because of that. And it's going to get bad. Because, like you said about Zach Wilson moving out, We've seen this line dramatically shift from six and a half against the Dolphins this week to now 10. There's even 10 and a halfs out there because Tim Boyle is not going to be your answer. Tim Boyle is not a good quarterback. He wasn't a good quarterback at UConn. He wasn't a good quarterback at Eastern Kentucky. His 12 touchdowns and 26 interceptions across four seasons in college isn't going to help him in the NFL. Even his NFL appearances, 18 total times that he's been in games, three touchdowns, nine picks, 60% completions. He's not going to be better. So uh, if you're trying to set yourself up to win games and have Aaron Rodgers play, that's, that's an absurd thought to me. And we'll maybe hear a little bit more about it. I know Rodgers is on McAfee Tuesdays today, so maybe we'll get an interesting soundbite or two from him today. But it's a non-issue. It's a non-question to me at this point about the Jets' future this season. It's done. Put a fork in them. Let's move on from it. They currently sit 14th of 16 in the crowded AFC standings, which leads me to my next point, Michael. When we come back, let's talk about this AFC playoff picture. There are so many different angles to go here. Are the teams that are in right now going to stay in? Who could be a mover and shaker moving on up here in the AFC? I'm excited to have this conversation. We are just getting started here on the Lombardi Line. Stay with us. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my day. <laughs> This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you haven't become a VSIN Pro subscriber yet, now is your best chance to sign up and save. Sign up on our Black Friday special today. You'll get VSIN Pro access to everything we do from now through May 1st for only $60. Sign up, you get access to daily best bets, unlimited access to our exclusive betting splits premium analysis and 24-7 video, plus all our betting guides and best bets for the upcoming College Bowls, the Super Bowl, and March Madness. Don't miss out, though. This is our new subscriber offer, Black Friday special, vsin.com slash subscribe is how you can do it. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. Alongside the one and only Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bond and Tony with you. And I've got a fun segment here today that our wonderful producer, Stephanie Kamershack, came up with called Terrible Tuesday. So that should have helped me remember what day it was. <laughs> What's wrong with me? So Terrible Tuesday. We're going to look at a few games here, Michael, that matches up two sub 500 teams facing each other. But sub 500 Tuesday above like below average Tuesday just didn't have the same ring to it. So Terrible Tuesday. You ready to do this? Let's get into it. Yep, let's do it. We're going to start with the New England Patriots who are laying three and a half points at the New York football giants. And your boy, Bill Belichick came up today, Michael, and said that he told everybody in his quarterback to quarterback room to be ready. Mac Jones is reportedly still getting the majority of the first team reps. But after we saw him get benched last week, the talk of other guys maybe getting an opportunity, him needing a reset, take a step back. We're not sure who the quarterback's going to be yet, but who do you think gets the better of this terrible Tuesday matchup? The terrible Tuesday matchup, a lot of it's going to depend on what happens today on Tuesday's practice because I think Coach Belichick doesn't know really what to do. He wants to give somebody the starting job other than Mac Jones, but they're going to have to perform well in practice. And I think there lies the problem. You know, Bailey Zappi, for all the talk and swagger he had after the game throwing the interception, his preseason was horrible. He got cut. No one claimed him. They put him back on the practice squad. So he had a couple good games last year as a rookie, 
mostly against Cleveland, but that hasn't manifested itself moving forward. I don't know if Malik Cunningham can win the job. I, I think if they put Mac Jones back out there, it's because they don't have an alternative. Shame on them for not having an alternative. They brought Will Greer in, but I don't think Will Greer really – I think Will Greer likes holding a clipboard. You know, you would think he would have the great opportunity to really take it, but he hasn't done it yet. Then uh, you look at the Giants side of this matchup, Michael – everybody's doubting Tommy DeVito. He ends up having a three-touchdown, no-interception day in a huge win over the Washington Commanders, where despite, I mean, the Commanders turned the ball over six times in that game, and they still had an opportunity late in the game to win, had Sam (laughs) Howell not throw a pick six, which is crazy. But, like, what do you make of the Giants at this point in the season? Well, look, the Giants have played good defense at times. I mean, against against Dallas, they're playing good defense, create a turnover, and then when they went for it on fourth down, it all fell apart. Look, Dallas is a hard matchup for a lot of defenses, but against a bad offense like, like uh, New England, they'll play good defense. I think this will be a close game. I think DeVito, you know, did a smart thing by taking sacks and not trying to force the ball down the field. The concern you have if you're a Giant fan is – Every time Washington sent pressure, they got home. Like, DeVito froze in the moment and didn't know what to do with the football whether when it wasn't just a quick five out, get the ball out. So I think that's got to be the issue, and he's going against a good coach who knows how to attack a quarterback. I mean, Gardner Minshew struggled mightily against this New England defense, which wasn't getting pressure on him but was doing a good job of disguising the coverages. All right, we got another one here with the 1 and 9 Carolina Panthers taking on the 3 and 7 Titans in Tennessee. The Panthers are getting four total 37, but Tennessee, after we saw Will Levis in that debut really go off, have a monster day, has not been the same. Meanwhile, this Carolina team, I feel like every week we want to believe that they're going to take steps forward and then they seem to take two steps back. Yeah, this one's a terrible Tuesday for sure, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, here's the problem with Will Levis is he can't do anything consistently. And they haven't been able to get their run game going. Now, maybe they can run the ball against them. I'm telling you, I was talking to a coach in the league yesterday. Don't Whoever goes into Carolina at the end, Bryce Young's a good player. He's small, don't get me wrong. He's got some Drew Brees-like quality to him. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't get any help from the scheme, and he definitely doesn't get help from the offensive line in the run game. But they didn't blow this pick. This isn't a Ryan Leaf-type pick. This isn't like, oh, my God, they're in trouble. This guy's got timing. He's got awareness. Now, he makes horrible decisions at times. But you remember, he's you know he's going to have to get into a better system. I, I, this one, to me, I wrote in my notes after Sunday's game, all the Mike Vrabel dog conversations should get. This is a different team than Mike Vrabel's ever coached in his life. There's no stability at the quarterback position, and they can't run the ball. The biggest problem with the Titans, Stormy, this year, their offensive line is atrocious. So uh, I'm not going to say this is an Urban Meyer situation, but it's the immediate comp that comes to mind how much Trevor Lawrence struggled with Urban Meyer, and then mm-hmm. Doug Peterson steps in after a year and it's a total change. Like, do you think with Bryce Young, if Frank Reich is after this year, if he's done after this year, that things change if he just has a different type of coaching staff and people around him? It depends on who they hire. I agree with that. I think if they hire a veteran coach, somebody with, somebody with some clout that can run the organization, because right now I think they've got way too many people trying to run the organization. And I think they've got a committee. And whenever you have a committee, it's a problem. Remember, they've never dedicated a monument to a committee. 
So I think Carolina's got to find a way. They've got to get J.C. Horn healthy. They've got to get Brian Burns healthy. But this offensive line has been a disaster all year, and it started this summer, and they haven't improved. That's the To me, if you're in the building and you're Frank Wright, I haven't been able to get this offensive line better. Something's got to give in this game. The Panthers 2-7-1 ATS this season. All his dogs, including 1-4 ATS on the road. I, I hate to say it. I actually lean taking the points with Carolina. But this is going to be a stay-away game for me. <laughs> firm, firm stay-away game for me. But the Titans, meanwhile, I say that. The Titans 1-5 ATS. They're like 6, including 0-3 their last three. This next one I think is pretty interesting. The 4-6 and six Rams... Laying one point in Arizona, taking on the Kyler Murray-led 2-9 Cardinals, total 44-and-a-half, Cooper Cup day-to-day with a low ankle sprain. But if you had to make a bet on this terrible Tuesday game, Michael, where would you put your money? I think I'd put on Arizona. And the reason I would is because I watched the Rams game against Seattle really closely, and Matthew Stafford's a warrior. He got beat up. He got hit a lot. I don't know if he can bounce back in in a short week time. This offensive line is not very good for the Rams. And the way the Card- now the Cardinals have a lot of injuries to their defense. I think they lost two more starters to their starting defense this week, which concerns me about taking them. But Murray knows how to make plays on San Francisco. Murray can, excuse me, on on the Rams. He can move around and, you know, they don't have it. They'll make plays. They could get Zach Ertz back this week, which would be really helpful for their offense to go along with McBride and Rondell Moore and Hollywood and all those guys. So I would lean Arizona here only because I worry about the Rams being really not a healthy team, especially Stafford. He did not look good by the end of that game. Saints at the Falcons, a battle of the NFC South teams that people thought were going to be actually pretty good and exceed expectations. Not so much. Saints are five and five, Falcons four and six. Atlanta will start Desmond Ritter back at quarterback this week. Derek Carr still in concussion protocol on the other side. It is a one-point spread, total 42. How are you thinking about this one? Oh, man. You know, <laughs> I know. I take that, that's all you need to say. Just, I want to uh. take Atlanta. I want to take Atlanta. I mean, we don't think – I mean, Winston's going to start. Has he cleared protocol yet? I don't think he has, right? I mean, Carr has not cleared protocol. I want to take I want to take Atlanta because I like Atlanta's team. They run the ball effectively. Lattimore's not going to be in the game. These are always close games back and forth. These two teams go back, you know, they play. So it's a pick 'em type of game. I lean Atlanta here. I got to do way more work on this, but you know, Ritter has thrown the ball. But when you throw for 70 yards against the Arizona Cardinals, are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? You're telling me that's the best you could come up with against them? Now, I know it was on the road, but still, this is, to me, Atlanta's got a chance to turn their season around, and this is the win they have to have. I thought they would win the South if they beat Arizona last two weeks ago. Obviously, that didn't happen. they got to win this one. So the hope, obviously, in starting Taylor Heineke was that either he goes off and he plays so well that we have to leave him in, or it becomes like a reality check reset moment for Desmond Ritter. Do you think that that ends up being the case? That Desmond Ritter's like, hey, okay, I've had to sit back. Now I'm ready to go and play more poised, play more controlled. Because like you said, he was throwing the football better. He was just turning it over. So can you reel that in? Right. Yeah, that's the thing. And they've got really good, you know, they can run the ball. Now Cordell Patterson and Kyle Pitts were not seen at the beginning of practice yesterday. I don't know what that means. We'll see what happens with the practice report.
Oh, man, just get B. John Robinson the ball every once in a while, okay? If every time. Just, just give just, him the ball. Just just once in a while. I don't think I'm it's asking for much. It's not that complicated, much. Stormy. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a quick break here. But as we mentioned earlier with Will Hill, it is rivalry week in college football. Excited to talk through some of the big games of the weekend on the college football slate with our guy Aaron Moore coming up next. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? Uh, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. 